0: Amen. We do honor you and appreciate you, Pastor, and all of the pastors. Well, the board's going to tag team this sermon this morning. You saw at the, yeah, and I get to go first. You saw Kim at the very beginning. She unfortunately was out of town, so there's going to be four of us, and I get to go first. I want to talk to you about what we're thankful for. I'm thankful for the Word of God. And I suppose that was your cue. How many like the, the screen up here? I remember when Pastor first came to the board and said he wanted to do it. I said it was kind of hokey, but now I really like it. Sorry, Pastor, it, I, I liked it now. I'm thankful for the Word of God. The Word of God. There's several things that are great about it, but the first thing I think about when I think about the Word of God is the history of the Word of God. There's so much history in it. Many people have said, and there's a, that if we don't learn from history. And if we don't take note of history, we are doomed to make the same mistakes of history. The Bible is the word of God, but the Bible is full of so much history. And today, we can read the Bible and we learn from so much of the history in there. It's a historical book. I wonder what it was like for the people before the Bible or during the Bible time. They didn't have the luxury that we have to actually be able to go to it and learn from it. Maybe that's why they made so many mistakes, because they didn't have the Bible to read. Real quick side note, I, I'm thankful that I have electronic copy of the, uh, you know what that is, Floyd, right? That's electronic, but that joke was funnier in first service because it, you know, those who don't know Commander Flo- or Floyd Waterfield on, serves on the board, he's uh, not just old, he's old school. And so he has a hard time with electronic and uh, I had to throw a little stab in there but I'm so thankful that I have electronic copy and then I can read from the history of the Bible and I can learn about the stories of the Bible and the, the mistakes that people made and then the guidance that God gives us in it in the Bible. Did anybody ever have one of those uh, wrist brands or the, the lanyard that said WWJD? What would Jesus do? I remember when those first came out, I thought those was kind of hokey. I'm not a big wearing jewelry, wearing things. Remember the everybody wore the the ribbons to for whatever cause, and I thought, well, what is that practically doing? I just always thought about that with a wristband. But the more I thought about it, and I thought about the character of God. And I'm thankful that the Word of God shows us the character of God, and that what would Jesus do is something that we can answer by reading the Word of God and knowing the character of God. I'll admit to you that sometimes when I in faced with a certain situation, good, bad, angry, upset, sad, I think to myself, what would God do? How would God answer this situation? How would God react in this situation? And then, second of all, I asked myself, what would my father do? I was blessed with having I mean, a great example of a man in my life, and that was my father. And he always reacted really well. Of course, he did lose his temper a handful of times, but he always reacted well in situations. And I remember growing up more than once hearing hearing these words from my father. Well, God loves them, and I'm sure they have a reason for the way they're acting. And I think, you know, well, that's how Jesus would react too. Jesus loves everybody. We learn the character of God. We learn what Jesus would do by the word of God, by reading the word of God, We can read story after story, circumstance after circumstance on how Jesus reacted, on how God reacted to situations, and that gives us ability to know his character, and that gives us the ability to know how we should react, how we should be. As pastor preaches many times, we are the example of God to non-Christians. We need to have that word of God in our lives so that we know how God would react, how Jesus would react. My father used to also say a a thing all the time. He would say, those who do not read have no advantage over those who can't. Those who do not read the Bible have no advantage over those that don't have a Bible. The Word of God is our example. It is the, the stories. It is the character of God. And it's our guide. We need to be reading it so that we can put it in our heart and so we can know how to react. My last point is instructions. The Bible is instructions. And of course, you know, if I had the mic up here, I have to get a chance to throw Pastor under the bus a little bit and make fun of him here. So I wish I had a really good story to throw Mrs. Bland under the bus, but I just, I couldn't find one. And you, okay. When Elliot got to preach one time, he got up here and he talked about um, the phrase, feed a man a fish, feed him for a, li- a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And he changed that phrase and he said, pastor, the fisherman, and you're all, you'll are all, you never go hungry. Elliot, if you're, ever wa- if you're watching this, I love that phrase. Good job. Well, pastor has admitted to you more than once. that He's not the handyman. He probably doesn't even remember where his, where his toolbox in his garage is. And I'm one of the fishermen that he calls to help him do things. And I'm happy. He's a good friend of mine. And let me tell you a funny story. One day, I stopped by pastor's house for something. I don't even remember what it was. I walked in the house and Karen was inside the house saying, would you go outside and help him? He's trying to put together this barbecue fire pit thing. And he's been out there an hour and he has, he's still not done. So I went out to the backyard and I, pastor was so happy to see me. He said, can you help me with this? I'm like, sure. So Right away, I looked at it, and I said, this bracket's upside down. Yeah, I was afraid of that. (laughs) And I said, where's the instructions? I don't know. (laughs) Went to the box, pulled out the instructions. And I'll be honest, I'm not a big instructions reader, but I always look at the diagrams. I usually can figure out most things by just looking at the diagrams. I'm so excited when I get something new, I want to put it together. I don't always read word for word, but I look at the pictures, and I look at the diagrams, and I kind of have ADD and I like to see how things go together. And so I looked at diagram one on the instructions and it was how to mount these particular brackets. And I said, see, pastor, this is how you're supposed to mount the brackets. They're upside down. We have to take it all apart to get back. That was that was the first step in the assembly. We got to take it all apart. Okay, let's take it apart. So moving forward, we took it all apart, put the brackets right side up. And 10 minutes later, fire pit was done and we were there. Pastor, just call me next time. Just or call me, call Brent, call Ken, you know, just, you know, anyway. The Bible is our instructions. If we're not going to the Bible and reading the instructions, we're going to mount the brackets upside down. We're not going to be able to do it right. We're not going to be able to live our lives right. We're not going to be able to act like Jesus would want, want us to if we don't read the instructions. I am thankful that God gave us those instructions. And the last thing I'd like to say on this is I'm thankful for a pastoral staff that knows, teaches, preaches and follows the word of God. I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, good and bad run ins with this pastoral staff, all of them. And every time they say, let's look at what the word of God says. How do we react based on the word of God? They always bring up the word of God. I can't. Another thing is there are many churches around this country Where the pastors and the music pastors have taken out blood, Holy Spirit, anything that's potentially controversial that would make people feel uncomfortable. There's a lot of churches right now, this Sunday, where pastors are getting up and preaching to not offend. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And if pastors up here preaching and sometimes it makes you squirm in your seat, well, he's doing his job. And I thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Moses. Pastor Jim, Pastor Dave, for following the Word of God, teaching from it, preaching from it, and leading worship from it, Pimo. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to pass the baton.
1: Thank you, Stacy. And I said it in the first service. I'll say it again. I'm thankful that he didn't wear his shorts today. uh, For those of you who are here for the um, vision meeting a week ago yesterday, you understood what Stacy and I just did. We handed off the baton. But uh, I had this analogy in the first service that the board taking over the service today equates out to those old white chairs we were using there for a while. It'll help make you appreciate our real pastors when they're back next week. But, uh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited, and I was, uh, had the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit today. And so, you know, I wanted to feel like the pastoral staff. And so, uh, even if it was just for a couple minutes. So with that, I want you to give me your opinion of this. I feel like a pastor now. A, yes, it's real. <laughs> that is an app. That's a, that's an Apple app. So come on now. Okay. I have point two. I'm have I'm thankful for the church, and with that, I'm thankful for, for pastors who are shepherds. And my my scripture verse for today is to, can be found in First Peter. Uh, it's in uh, uh, chapter five, verses two through four, and it reads. In the NIV, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Before I get to my two points, only two points, but there's like five Subpoints under each one, so don't get excited. I want to define the church. So def- definition of the, of the church. We have that. There we go. One, a building for public and especially Christian worship. We consider the church a building, a building, this building especially a church. But the Number two is one that I had never thought of before, and it talked about the clergy or the officiandum of a religious body. I never really thought of the The the, the pastoral staff as being the church, but they are. They are a representation of the church. They are our church to us. Then, of course, number three is a body or organization of religious believers as a the whole body of Christ, the, the worldwide church or a denomination, the assemblies of God like we are or like we are here locally, a congregation. We understand the church being us and we are the church. And we are the church to a lot of, to the world out there. Now, the, the, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, Stacy brought it up during the uh, announcements, but if you're not a member, come tomorrow night. It's a couple hours out of your time to learn about not only this church, but about the Assemblies of God, about the worldwide church that, is, that we are part of, and to be able to get involved, because we need you, you need us, and together, We are the church. The second definition I want to talk about was a shepherd. And something coming from the same location. Only got two here. One, a person who tends sheep. Duh. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? But this one really kind of excited me in the fact that, yeah, we knew that a pastor was a shepherd. He's the shepherd of this flock, the shepherd of his local flock. But it comes from the Latin word Pastor which means herdsman. So it literally means being a shepherd, a pastor being a shepherd. There's some famous shepherds in the Bible. Who can uh, tell me who the first shepherd mentioned in the Bible is? Yep, you got it. In Genesis 4-2, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. There's a lot of shepherds in the Bible. Seems like that's all they did. We've got Abraham, who was a shepherd, his nephew, Lot, who was a shepherd, his son, Jacob, who, uh, Isaac, who was a shepherd, his grandson, Jacob, who was a shepherd, all his sons who were shepherds. But ladies, don't feel left out. In Genesis 29.9, it says, while he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father, father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. So, ladies, don't feel that the shepherd is, 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 a, is an all-male thing. We're not male chauvinists here. Everybody can be a shepherd in this place today. Of course, you know that Moses was a shepherd. he tended his father-in-law's flocks. We have probably the most famous shepherd in the Bible, and that would be David. David had his ups and downs. David had his trials. David had his triumphs. It's, it's not for a shepherd to have a perfect life, but it is for a shepherd to lead. I'm thankful for our shepherds here. Then, of course, the most famous shepherds who have no name they were abiding in the hills, watching over their flocks by night. Hey, you know what? That would have been a good gig that night. <laughs> I would have been scared to death. But it had have been a good gig that night, I tell you for sure. Now to my two points. I want to talk about the attributes of a shepherd. I don't know if you noticed that both of my points started with A. Did you notice that? Okay, good. <laughs> but, you, but, but these attributes have to do with uh, a, a real shepherd. But look how they correlate, and they work exactly the same with your shepherd of a flock of, of people. They lead them to fresh pastures and fresh water. Our pastors are always feeding us. They're always giving, in, giving to us. They're always helping us. They're always making sure we have that fresh water. It's not stagnant. Nothing is stagnant. Nothing is old. Nothing is, is, is rotten. It's fresh. The, 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 he just disciplines and corrects them. Boy, there are probably a number of us in here who need to be disciplined and to be corrected on a regular basis, Stacy Trotter. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Stacy, I had to pick on somebody. They work tirelessly to provide protection and security. They're, they're worried about us. They, 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 they care about our, our safety. They care about not only our security physically, but our security spiritually and financially. Four searches out sheep when they stray. That's one of the great things about not only the shepherd, but the pastor who's a shepherd. They find those who are straying. They find those who, are, who, who may be walking the wrong path, taking off down the wrong valley. Seek them out. Find them. Bring them back into the fold. Go ahead. I told you there was 10 points to my first. <laughs> it goes ahead of the sheep and prepares the path many times pastor is taking care of things that we don't even know about. Each pastor, Pastor Dave with the youth, Pastor Jim with the finances, Pastor Steve with the, with the, with the uh, overall church, Pastor Moses with the music, Pastor Creighton with the young adults. They're doing things under the radar that we never see, but they're preparing that path for us. They comfort the sheep when they are hurt and fearful. I mean, that's just kind of a no-brainer there. That's, that's our pastoral staff. That probably should be number one for them. They comfort us. They keep the sheep on the move so they don't get in a rut. Boy, that's that's LPCC. If you ever heard about it, we're never in a rut in this place. But they do. They they make sure that we don't get caught. Because there's there's a I'm not a shepherd and I don't know that much about sheep. But from what I understand, a sheep can get caught in a rut, and and if they don't have someone to guide them, they'll stay in that rut until they die. And 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 we could we could die spiritually if we stayed in a rut but our pastoral staff takes care of that. It keeps the sheep from fighting and from hurting each other. Well, I'm not even going to expound on that because that never happens here for anything, for any reason at all. But number 10, the shepherd gets the deepest satisfaction from seeing that sheep are contented, well-fed, and safe. Does that sound like a pastor to you? They're, they're, they, they're content. They're, they're happy to know that the sheep are fed. The sheep are taken care of. The sheep are safe. My second point is the attitude of a shepherd. And with the attitude of a shepherd, we've got a number of items, but I want to refer back to our uh, text. And in uh, verse 2, first part of verse 2, it mentions watching over them. And I'm thankful for pastors that take the opportunity and the responsibility for our welfare and our development. They provide us with prompt, and wise counsel, and they see us through the eyes of God and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in that same verse, it says, because you are willing. And just as watching over us requires the eyes of God, I'm thankful that our pastors serve us because they love us with the same love God has for us. They're willing to throw their resources into it, their their time into it, because it's their life. They serve God and his flock with with a sense of urgency and with the knowledge that God has called them here and that God will continue to equip them for today's tasks as well as tomorrow's. In that same verse at the end it says eager to serve. I'm thankful that our pastors pursue their work with excitement and that they allow the joy of the Lord to spill in to their work. Serving God And serving LPCC is their calling, not their career. Not lording lording it is in verse 3. I'm thankful that our pastors understand that their position of leadership does not translate to a controlling right over us. They practice the servant leadership style that Jesus taught his disciples in being ones that serve. And finally, in that same verse, it says being examples to the flock. Just as the shepherd goes in front and the sheep follow, I'm thankful that our pastors lead by example. Just as the shepherds on that night that Jesus was born, our pastors are always on duty. They're ready to help even the one, even if it means leaving the 99 in the care of others. We as a church must also, we as the church must also be examples to the world and lead those who are lost. As I close, let me leave you with this final thought. When it's all said and done, just remember this. It's the sheep that produce more sheep, not the shepherd. (laughs)
0: Little
2: Joe, you're so. Yeah, every time he sees me, he always says, I'm fired. But you can't fire me yet. I got, I got a sermon here to, to give. you can fire me after I'm done. <laughs> so uh, just a little recap. We, are, um, we looked at thankful for the word of God. That was presented by Stacey Trotter. Thankful for the church. That was presented by Gary. And now I'm going to say thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I attended a few weeks back uh, the LA OC Men's Conference. It was a very powerful conference the theme was getting into the fight it was an awesome conference where the men of god were encouraged to get connected with god answer the call of god and commit to god one of the verses in the bible that they used was found in first corinthians 16 13 and it says be on guard stand firm in the faith and be men of courage be strong i am here to tell you today that we can all do this with the help of the lord and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let us look at my first point. It's led of the Holy Spirit. A definition of lead or lead is to conduct by holding and guiding. Example: to lead a horse by a rope. We're going to look at Romans 8:14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Also, we look at Galatians. 16 through 18 it says so I say walk by the spirit and we do not gratify the desires of the flesh for the, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are conflict with each other so they are not to do whatever you want but if you are led by in the spirit by the spirit you will not under you will not under the law you are not under the law we are led by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. I'm thankful for the pastors of the church who lead us in the Word of God each and every week because of the Word of God, an instrument used by the Holy Spirit to instruct and convict. We have to be thankful that Pastor Steve and another pastor of this church are led by the Holy Spirit and what is being preached from this very pulpit right here. Let the Word of the Spirit guide your footsteps. John 16 through 13 says, this is Jesus speaking. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will not speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. We are guided by the Holy Spirit when we speak truthfully to others. And the truth will set us free. I am thankful that our pastors walk in the light. And that the truth be brought forth in love as they are led by the Holy Spirit. My second point is power of the Holy Spirit. Definition of power, physical strength, force, exerted or capable of being exerted. Example, the power of the waves. We look at Acts 1 8. But you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Romans 8, 11 says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. The power of the Spirit wasn't exclusive just to Jesus or the apostles. This power was available to all members of the church, and they were used in it. Paul wrote to to the church in Rome, in Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to describe what the power of the Holy Spirit would enable them to do and become. In Romans 15, 14 it says, Now I may now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge, able to able to admonish or um, able to also admonish one another. So I'm thankful that our pastors are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit which allows them to operate in the giftings of the Holy Spirit. This is shown through the worship. I thank Pastor Moses for leading us in worship every single week. The songs that the the Holy Spirit gives them to to, 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 to use in every single service. I'm so thankful for that. We all should be thankful for that. Because the Holy Spirit is operating and gifting in him. And also as they counsel with others, many times our pastors are counseling with others that come into our church that are hurting, that need guidance, that need special directions. Maybe what they're tithing, if they're not tithing, or whatever situation, they May maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe they're going through really tough times. I'm thankful for those pastors that give those guidance. I mean, Pastor Dave, he leads the, the teenage years, that guiding and counseling. We also have Pastor, yes, we also have Pastor Creighton, who who, who leads our, with our uh, young adults, the college age. Sometimes that that, that, get, that kind of falls into the cracks, but luckily, with with the hope of the Holy Spirit, he's able to guide them and strengthen them and also encourage that, that age that they need the most guidance for. We also have prayer for the needs of the church, there's many needs that are lifted up in the prayer and the Holy Spirit helps and guides us and directs us even in our board meetings too we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and directions in the in the financial part of it and also which directions we need to go for the church and the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us in that and also very important the preaching of the word is very strong we need the Holy Spirit in our lives then the power to, to enable us and to lead us at the words that need to be preached from this pulpit and also as we've seen last Sunday the, in the second service, that the power of the Holy Spirit can move in many ways. And we have a pastor who is willing to step aside and let the power move by the Holy Spirit. Even to set aside his sermon, which he had he'd been practicing for months probably. And just just allowing God to just to move in a mighty power way and set aside all all that. And then the finally I'm going to touch on is the field of the Holy Spirit. Definition of filled to put someone or something into a space or a container. So that is completely and almost completely full. I filled up the bottle of water as an example. We're going to look at Ephesians 5.18. So don't be drunk with wine, which will ruin your life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Another one is Deuteronomy 34.9. Moses had put his hands on Joshua and anointed him to be the new leader. Then Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. So the Israelites began to obey Joshua, and they did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So I ask you to be filled with the spirit means be absolutely saturated with under, and under the control of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the spirit by the dwelling on the gospel and by, the, and by not quenching or grieving him. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from the heavens and filled this whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated and came to reach the rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I'm so thankful that the pastors of this church are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an everyday feeling because as they begin to pray for others and they begin to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they become depleted of that of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So it's this it's this depleting that they need to be filled every single day, It's just like we do. We need to be filled every single day with the Spirit because as we minister to people, as we speak to those that are lost into this dying world that we that we reach out to them in in love and kindness, and joy, and peace. All these fruits of the Spirit become evident in our life. We become depleted. We make sure we be filled every single day of our lives so we can accomplish everything God has for us. So in conclusion, I'm thankful that our pastors are led by the Holy Spirit. They are powered by the Holy Spirit. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit so they can walk in the fullness of God.
3: morning. How's everybody this morning? I'm blessed. I, uh, I was already blessed by some of the things I've heard this morning from each one of these, uh, these board members that have come up here and, and tried to share and kind of not our comfort zone. Um, Stacy, when you got up and took the offering today and you asked a question. Powerful, powerful question. How do you tithe? That's an important question to answer. I, I was glad when he asked that that I knew how to answer it. You need to know how to answer that question. How do you tithe? Powerful, powerful question. Stacy, thank you for asking that question. And when he was speaking, he talked about a little hokey little thing that went around a few years ago, WWJD. Yeah. Kind of a little gimmick thing, you know what? But how important that is when it comes to the word of God. Because that's how we know what Jesus will do, is when we look at God's word. That little hokey thing that you brought up in your sermon, I'll tell you, it's important. Very important. Gary, <laughs> you said something that uh, that is so powerful when it comes to pastors. You said that it's a calling, not a career. And it is. It's a calling. It's not a career. And I am so thankful for pastors that answer that calling. And then David, as you were talking about the Holy Spirit, you you mentioned a term. You just you said a little kind of side thing. It wasn't it wasn't up on your notes, but you said that the pastors know how to step aside, step aside, and allow the Holy Spirit to take control. Those are powerful things that I've heard from each of you this morning. Um, I haven't even got into my point yet, but we're going to do that here real quick. I uh, yes, yes, I'm old school. I uh, everybody else has been up here with their tablets and their phones. I'm I'm up here with, with my Bible. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. But,
4: hey,
3: <laughs> New King James. I like the NIV too. Um, But I know pastor usually speaks from the New King James, so that's why I I brought that. Um, I love electronic Bibles. I have an electronic Bible on my phone. I use it. I read from it every morning. As I go to work, I ride a train, and I use it, and I read it. It's, it's, It's so handy to have. I can read it. I can pull out things at work. I can look up things quicker on this than I can in here using concordances and things like that. So I love the technology. I'm just not comfortable coming up here and trying to use it. Okay? Uh, Stacy and I give each other a hard time all the time about electronics. You know, I, uh, I still have one of these. You know? I, anybody know what this is? <laughs> some people do. Some people don't even know what it is. It's called an organizer. You know, I love this thing. <laughs> oh, no. Look at that. It didn't break. Wow! Look at that. All the information. Oh wow, the information's still in here. This is amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, I have an electronic Bible. I use it. Um, they're very, very good. I, I love them. My goodness, David, he had this little bitty phone up here, did everything on his phone. I, I could never do that. I would, Man, I'd be stumbling all over the place. I'd never be able to get to the right place real quick. And so anyway, technology is great. Use it. Use your technology. Um, what I am talking about, let's get to what we're supposed to be doing today. Accepted by God. That's what I'm talking about, accepted by God. How do we know that we're accepted by God? Well, we know by what he does, by the actions that take place, what he does for us. We know we're accepted by our pastor by the actions that they perform. So I want to look at um, some examples of God's acceptance. Okay? And we're going to start by looking in uh, Luke chapter 7. Verses 11 through 15. We're going to look at a story here. And this is how it reads. It says, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nan. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near to the gates of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And and he presented him to his mother. We see a story here of uh, Jesus walking into a town called Nan, a little city inland, uh, northern part of of, uh, Israel, a city that's still there today. He walks into this city and he sees a situation there. Take us to verse uh, 13. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And in the King James, it says he was moved by compassion. So he saw, he saw the need. He looked, and he saw the need. Because God loves us, because he cares for us, he sees our needs. He sees our needs. He knows what they are. And he's moved with compassion, moved with compassion because of those needs. And so then what does he do? Well, let's move on to the next verse. Let's see what it says. In verse 14, it says, Then he went up and touched the bar they were carrying him on. He touched. I think that's powerful. He reached out and he touched. He touched. He touched that coffin. He touched it. He reached out, and he touched where that need was. He touched the coffin. And what happens? The young man got up. He got up. And then what happens in verse 15? This is, this, this, is this is what God does. Look at this. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gave him back to his mother. She was a widow. Her husband had died. Now her only son. And she was gonna be alone. No means of support. And Jesus comes on the scene. He sees the need. He's moved with compassion touches the coffin the man is raised from the dead and he presents the son back to the mother gives back to the mother her son he meets that need why because he loved her because she was accepted by God God accepts ordinary people in ordinary places um, it doesn't matter who you are <laughs> God accepts you. God loves you. God cares about what your needs are, whether they're simple or whether they're difficult. This was a pretty difficult need. Jesus took care of that one. We had a, had a uh, um, young man. His name was uh, Mark. <clears throat> God loved Mark. I didn't know Mark. Um, he, uh, he was here in the United States. He was working in a camp. And he had finished, he was traveling around the United States. He was from England. <coughs> and uh, Mark was in San Francisco, and my wife happened to be in San Francisco with some, some students, some, some foreign exchange students that were staying in our house to come up there, and they were going to the Golden Gate Bridge. <coughs> and so they, they caught a bus. they were using transportation up there, and caught a bus so they were using their car. and and uh, this young man by the name of Mark happened to be on that bus. And uh, so they uh, ended up after uh, they'd gone to the Golden Gate Bridge, they, they were coming back and they were the only ones on the bus and strike up this conversation and with Mark. And <clears throat> Mark talks about you know the fact that he was traveling around the United States, he was from England, Um, He was dirty, carrying a backpack, he probably smelled a little, I wasn't there, (coughs) um, because of the type of traveling he was doing, Um, and he mentioned he was coming to L.A. after he left San Francisco, didn't know where he was going to stay, and my wife, (laughs) my wife, uh, suddenly thinks that, hey, this, this gentleman needs to come and stay at our house. she just met on a bus. Okay? She calls me up. Says, uh, I met this guy on this bus. Uh, He's coming to L.A. And I think he should come and stay at our house. I remember when she said that. There was something in my spirit that said yes. I didn't know who he was. My wife calls me. says, I think Mark should come and stay at our house. Okay. So, the next week, knock on the door it's Mark we weren't even home (laughs) we had other people stay in our house he was trying to find us anyway we we got home he he sat down uh in front of our our bookcase I hope I hope your bookcase says something about who you are it should he sat down in front of our bookcase and uh, he's looking at our books and then he says are you Christians well Yes, we are. Uh, Mark was a Christian. He had been working in a Salvation Army camp. He didn't tell us that. Um, and so we begin to talk about our lives and he began to talk about his life. He was spirit-filled, attended a spirit-filled church in England. He was actually writing uh, a master's thesis on the history of the Holy Spirit in Europe. Um, so uh we got to be very good friends Um, we took him around several places Um, later um, we actually visited him in England met his family Um, his parents came stayed in our home Um, but you know what his parents were praying for Mark while he was here in the United States they were a little worried about him a lot of crazy people out here And. They were praying for him that Christians would befriend him. And isn't it amazing? God cared for Mark. Just an ordinary ordinary guy, everyday guy, traveling around. Yet, he ended up on a bus with my wife, who was sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to say, hey, come to our house. Didn't even know who he was. Didn't have the slightest idea who he was at that time. Other than his name was Mark. But God took care of Mark and even allowed us to be part of that. That's because God cares, because he loves people. He loves people. Jimmy, young man. I didn't know Jimmy. Uh, our lives ended up crossing. <laughs> and it's amazing how, how God puts things together and what it takes to put things together sometimes. Uh, I was uh, part of the, the staff, the sectional staff on Royal Rangers in the harbor section. And I was asked uh, to plan a sectional backpacking trip. And I was excited about that, because I love backpacking. So um, I put together some stuff, and then the rest of the staff comes to me and says, no, that's, that's not what we want. That's, you know, I wanted to go to the highest mountain and all the rough stuff. You know, We don't want the rough stuff. We want it easy. Um, well, I don't like the easy stuff. I like the rough stuff. So I uh, started trying to come up with things that would meet their criteria and what they wanted. They started giving me all this criteria that they wanted this trip to meet. I got very frustrated with it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm sorry I ever even got involved with trying to find this thing. Well, in, in my frustration, I had, I had no knowledge of any place to go that would meet the criteria that they wanted. So I talked to some other people, tried to find a place, and they mentioned the, uh, some places out um, near Lake Hughes, kind of on the backside of the desert there. And so I thought, okay, I'll go take a look at those. So um, just the weekend before I went to do that, I was helping my brother move, and so I had to take my spare tire out. I had a van, and I took my spare tire out so I could fit more stuff in there to help him move. I didn't put the spare tire back in, so I didn't have a spare tire. So all of this stuff has taken place over about a six-month period leading up to, to this. And so I go out to look at this uh, place and I'm looking out and I'm just, it's barren, it's, it's just not kind of a place I like to go backpacking and it's just, this is terrible and I'm just having a bad day. I'm frustrated, I'm thinking I, I wish I wasn't here, I, you know, and suddenly I look in, in my, my mirror and I see my back tire is getting low, it's getting flat. And I don't have a spare tire. I'm in kind of a difficult situation here. I didn't have AAA, didn't have a cell phone, you know, none of that kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm trying to get back to civilization uh, before my tire goes too flat. And I managed to get to this gas station out in kind of the middle of nowhere. Um, and all they did was pump gas, so they couldn't fix my flat. So I aired up my tire and continued on down the road, hoping to get to more civilization well i came to a uh, there was a campground and a convenience store and it was a phone booth ah everything i need i got a store right here phone booth i know people are saying what's a phone booth that's you know one of those things they used to have years ago um so i i get in the phone booth to call my brother to come bring my spare tire out and help out and there was a young man standing waiting to use the phone and because i was on royal ranger business i wear a royal ranger t-shirt so i had on my royal ranger t-shirt and so i exit and this young man sees my royal ranger t-shirt he grew up in royal rangers and so i began to talk to him about royal rangers and his life found out that he had uh, strayed away from the lord he wasn't going to church He'd had trouble with, uh, there were were family problems, and he was living with his grandparents. And they were camping at the campground right there. And so I was allowed, God allowed me to speak into his life. In all my frustration with everything that was going on, God led me to Jimmy and Jimmy to me. And I was able to speak into his life. It's amazing how God can put things together because he loves people, because he cares for people. So not only ministered, I, not only did I get to minister to Jimmy, but God ministered to me in a powerful way that day, too. God loves people, and he meets them right where they are. I was able to speak to Jimmy. I was able to talk to his grandparents. They, uh, they had moved to a new town, and they didn't know where any churches were. And they were Christians, and they needed to find a church. And they had actually been there about six months and never been to church. And so I was able to get all their information and contact them and connect them with a the church um, and all those things. And it was just a powerful day in my life because God cares for people. He accepts people wherever they are. I want us to uh, look at another person in the Bible. I want us to go to Acts chapter 7. Verses, we're going to be reading from starting in verse 54. Um, it's, it's, we're starting out here with Stephen. Stephen was a young man, and uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God had done powerful things in his life. And so people began to ask questions. Well, the religious leaders began to ask questions. They didn't like it. And uh, he addressed them, and he said some pretty powerful things. And uh, if uh, I was one of the religious leaders and heard some of the things he said, I'd have probably been a little angry um, because they weren't nice. There were things they needed to hear but they weren't real nice. And starting with verse 54, it says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul." Saul. Let's uh, move on to chapter 8 reading verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every home and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And then if we skip over to chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul was not a nice guy, was he? Especially to Christians. His lot in life was to destroy those who called themselves people of the way, it says here. People who followed Christ. It was his his purpose in life. He he wanted to destroy the church. He wanted to destroy Christians' lives. But uh, I know most of you know the story very well. Let's read on and see what it says in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. It says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He knew the Lord was talking to him. Paul, Saul, if you, if you go to verse, to chapter 22, verses 2 and 3, real quick in Acts. Let's, let's go there real quick. Acts chapter 22, verses 2 and 3. And this is what Saul says, I am indeed a Jew. He, he was, uh, giving, this is after his, his conversion. He's giving his testimony. He says, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this, in this city at the feet of Gamal, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you are today. Saul was very zealous about what he was doing. He thought he was serving God by persecuting those who accepted Christ. And what does does the Lord say? When we go back to um, chapter 9 and he asks, who are you, Lord? The Lord says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And skipping down to verse eight, then Saul arose from the ground. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there for three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Saul had a change of heart. He said, what must I do? He said, go to Damascus. He did just like that. He didn't even ask questions after that. He went to Damascus. God accepted Saul right where he was the scoundrel that he was, all the evil things that he had done, the things that he had done to destroy the church. But God loved him and accepted him right where he was. Saul turned around immediately. He was going this way. He turned around. He started going this way. His life changed right then and there. and He was obedient to what God asked him to do. He goes into the city, and we find that uh, he's prayed for uh, Acts chapter nine verses uh, seventeen and eighteen is where uh, he's prayed for. Um, but I want us to look at verse twenty, and that's not on the on the board. I didn't uh, ask them to print that one out. But um, verse twenty of verse nine. Okay, he's prayed for. He's healed. And it says, immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogue, that he is the Son of God. Immediately, he was going this way. He was, he was terror, havoc, it says, havoc to the church, havoc to those who follow Jesus. He wanted to destroy them. And God says, look, Saul, I know that you want to serve me. This is who I am. I am Jesus Christ. Follow me. Go to Damascus. And He goes to Damascus. His life was changed immediately because God loved Saul. He loves ordinary people like you and like me. And I want to ask a question to you today before we're going to pray for our pastors in just a moment. But I want to ask a question here. I want everybody's head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to ask you. Have you said yes to Jesus? Maybe you're like Saul. You're fighting, kicking against the goads. That hurts. But you have never said yes to Jesus. And with every eye closed right now. Um, if, if that's you. I want I want to give just a few moments to allow you to just indicate by just lifting up your hand and saying. I want to make that 180. I want to turn my life around. I don't want to say no to Jesus. I want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand real quick. I can see it. I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any others? Just a few more minutes. Actually, just a few more seconds. We're going to move on. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you know, the Bible says that we need to accept God in front of people. That could be embarrassing, but I want to ask for those that did raise their hands, if they would just come forward right now, and I would ask that someone come with them as they come. If you raised your hand, I would just ask if you could just come forward. I want to pray with you. There are others here that want to pray with you. Um, As every head is still bowed, eyes are still closed. Um, God is calling. He's asking you, please come. Let me. Let me receive you right where you are. So those who have indicated that um, we're not trying to embarrass you, but we want to pray for you. We want to help
4: you. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song, though darkness. It cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy. I
3: would like us to do this. Um, I would like us all to just pray. You know, you you may be one here that has never said yes to Jesus. You may be one like uh, like Jimmy, the person I told you about that uh, had maybe slipped away. Or you may be like I was, just frustrated with what was going on that God wants to meet you wherever you are. But I wanna pray, especially for those who who haven't accepted Christ today. And so I'm just gonna ask each of us to just pray a prayer. um, Out loud, Um, I'm gonna lead us, and then we're gonna move on with this service. So just pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross, that I might live forever in heaven with you. And right now, I wanna say that I'm sorry for anything that I may have done to hurt you. And I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I want to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want, uh, I want our pastors to come forward and stand here. We're going to pray for our pastors. So I'd like all of them to come with their families and stand across the front. And as they come, I would also like to ask the congregation to come. And gather around our pastors come close don't be afraid to touch them they reach out and they touch you you know we told pastor that he was supposed to sit down today (laughs) you know what he got up did you see him he got up he got up and he went and he prayed for somebody today I'm glad he didn't listen to us I'm glad he listened to the Holy Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit told him he's gonna have to get up and he's gonna have to pray for somebody Did that. He touched them. Don't be afraid to touch your pastor and to pray for your pastors
4: as we pray for them. Jerry,
3: I'd like you to come up and you want just offer a corporate prayer for our pastors.
2: Father, we thank you so much for our pastors. You give you praise for their lives and their commitment to you. And we lift them up to you today that you would protect them in every way, spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally, God, and meet their needs according to your riches and glory, Father. Guide them and direct them in the future. Show them the way, Lord. Give them a
3: greater sensitivity to your spirit, God, even more, and I know they desire that. Follow you. Give them the courage to lead this congregation in Jesus' name, we give you the praise. Amen. Amen.
1: If you can take your seats just for a second, we want to take up the, uh, the pastoral offering here, for the appreciation offering. And while you're heading back to your seats, again, don't, uh, don't forget about this evening. We want you to be here to celebrate with us. And speaking of celebration and being here, if uh, you are uh, able and willing, man, woman, boy, child, pardon, oh, we need need everyone to can stick around, to stick around just for a few minutes. We gotta move the chairs back. We gotta bring some tables out. We're gonna get prepared for tonight. So please stick around. Uh, Ushers, if you'd come forward at this time. Again, we thank you for being here. Norm, could you pray for us? Norm Price? Again, we thank you for being here. As the ushers pass by you, we won't officially dismiss you. We'll just give you leave until you come back again tonight. And again, we can. Uh, anyone who can stick around and help, we'd appreciate it. Pastors, we love you. And I hope that uh, today was something that uh, you'll remember for a while. I know it'll be something I won't forget. <laughs> But again, thank you for being here. God bless you in Jesus' name.